Ball and Play 2 presented by DraftKings kicks off on May 5th. Head over to the Warehouse Games channel to catch Game 1. Get some skin in the game and download the DraftKings app right now. Don't forget to use our promo code WAREHOUSE. That's promo code WAREHOUSE only at DraftKings Sportsbook. The crown is yours. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the 124th episode of Shea Station. I'm one of your co-hosts, Jack, a.k.a. Jolly. Joining me is Jerry Blevins. But as our friends on Farm to Fame say, when they have a very special guest, none of that matters today. We have maybe our most special guest ever. I hope not. (laughs) (laughs) The first legacy interview in Shea Station history, one I'm very, very excited about. This man has been with the Mets since 1980. He's the author of Mr. Met, the director of PR for decades on end. We are so, so excited to welcome Jay Horowitz to the Shea Station podcast. Jay, thank you for joining us today. My honor, guys. My honor to be on a podcast, you and Mr. Blevins. <laughs> I, I think Steve Gelbs would feel um, we can't tell Steve. that he's not considered a legacy since he's our first <laughs> two-time guest. Yeah, That's true. So, That's true. The Steve's a love with a place with hockey and Ben. And football. That's right. Exactly. He, yeah, but you're strictly, you're the legend. Legend. Well, I'm all you guys. Guys. I'm old. Oh, uh, Jay, uh, for those that don't know, why don't you give Jolly? Why don't you you give Jay a little bit of an intro? Sure. I mean, Jay has been with the club for decades on end, still with the club in his forty third year. Uh, you just put out a great message that I, I read a couple days ago about your time uh, from your disastrous first interview to right. where you stand now. Um, big part of Old Timers Day, so people definitely had seen you there if they tuned into that broadcast. <laughs> Um, Jay, I mean, we have so many questions for you. I, I mean, I guess we'll, we'll start there if that's okay with you on old timers day. Um, I mean, the Cohen era Mets have been such a, a far cry from previous ownership in so many facets, but I think one of the biggest signs, especially for the more, you know, older fan, you know, fans like my parents who have been fans since 1969, old timers day, making a return and seeing all those old Mets come back to the field was a very, very special day. Can you kind of just take me through your experience of that day? Well, it was great. You know, I, I, I have my 43rd apology to Mr. Blevins <laughs> not inviting him. And I, I, Jerry, I don't do, I, I'm ashamed to say, I didn't realize how good you were. <laughs> and then I went back and looked at your record, your one loss, your, your ERA. I probably, I'm going to be 89 when we have our next World Timers Day, and we'll meet in a wheelchair. I promise you, you'll be invited. Oh, so, you don't have to make, Jay, you, again, you don't have to apologize. Well, I felt bad, Jerry. You don't. I gave you a hard time. First of all, Jay and I are <laughs> friends. I, I consider you a friend, Jay. Yes, sir. I, I, one of my first moments as a Met when I felt like I made it was I got a butt dial from you. Yes. Uh, and I was just like, it's official, man. I, I made it. I got a Jay Hor- Horowitz butt dial. Um, you don't have to apologize. I gave you well, a hard time I, I because did. that's I, where I we are. Bad. I felt bad. Jordan. You shouldn't feel bad. There is so many Mets legends. I'm not that far removed. So I think it was better for the fans to get some people in that they haven't seen in a while. They get too much of this face um as is i i you don't want to dilute the product uh yes. so i get it but you don't have to, to answer jolly's question we what when steve took over what if he wanted to do is have an old timer state game we hadn't had one since 94 so that's 28 years and i just wanted to do it the right way and, and ownership was great anything we wanted to do we gave the guys rings you know two tickets for uh, airplane tickets hotel meals and we wanted to cover the decades. We got 68 players back. We had, uh, you know, 462 Mets. We had Craig Anderson, 
Frank Thomas, Jay Hook, um, uh, you know, uh, Steve Dillon. We had 69 Mets, Art Shamsky, Ron Sabota, you know, Cleon Jones. We had four managers, you know, Joe Torrey, Willie, Willie Reno, uh, Terry Collins, Bobby Valentine. And it was great. I mean, you know, the team was playing well at the time. The weather was great. The guys were excited about coming back. And we capped it off. You know, we, we got the permission to retire Willie Mays' number. So it was just a really great day. And, you know, now the problem is people say, we're well, going to do it next year. And I don't think we could do it next year for right now because, you know, it, we, it, the zing is not going to be, we probably have to wait a little bit. What we are going to do, though, was we're going to bring back alumni for each of the home stands, you know, do autograph signings, uh, social media stuff. So we want to keep, you know, the alumni tradition going. We had a great list. We had the Tom Seaver statue, Keith Indian's retirement, Gil Hodges Hall of Fame, uh, the uh, celebration of the Ohio's no hitter, plus the Otomers game. So it was a great alumni year last year. That's fantastic yeah. news. It's it's really cool to see a lot of Mets history honored because I feel like. You know, ever since, you know, City Field came around in 2009, I felt like that was an element that was kind of missing. It felt like that era had had moved on and we were not forgetting about it, but not appreciating it enough. And I want to take it back to the, the retired number aspect of that, because we finally get to see Keith Hernandez's number in the rafters, something that I feel is, you know, long overdue to this point. Uh, that was one of my most special fan, uh, moments as a Mets fan, but even more special for someone like my father, who, you know, grew up watching Keith watch those 86 Mets win the World Series. Um, can you speak to how special that was to you as someone who's been around the club for so long, got to yeah, Keith I mean, all these years? We, 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 like other teams, we don't, we, we've kind of negligent retiring numbers. We haven't done a lot of them. I think it was with, 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 with Seaver, uh, Piazza, Keith, um, Casey Stango, Gil Hodges, and of course, Jackie Robinson. We're going to do more of that now, but, you know, Keith and I go back a long way. You know, he's the heart and soul of the 86 team, you know, with the unofficial captain, Davey Johnson's eyes and ears on the field. Um, uh, you know, it's really a shame to me he's not in the Hall of Fame. He should be in the Hall of Fame. You know, it, it's, and, but it was just, it's really, you know, and what Keith, you know, done on SNY, his connection with the fans, it's just a really nice thing to be part of and see Keith recognized for what he did. There would be no 86 World Championships without Keith. Exactly. For sure. Hello, everyone. It's me in a different outfit because I'm coming to you from the future, and I'm here to tell you about today's sponsor, DraftKings. Guys, the NFL playoff picture is locked in. Wildcard weekend is upon us. The Talking Giants watch party is going to be this Sunday. I'm going, and I'm very excited to see my New York Giants win a playoff game for the first time in a long time. And I'm going to play some bets on the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 and get $200 in free bets instantly. Plus, all new and existing customers can get a no-sweat bet each day of the wildcard round this weekend. Just place any NFL bet of your choice, and if it loses, you'll get a free bet back up to $10. Action so good, why bet on the playoffs anywhere else? Of course, in a perfect world, we'd be betting on baseball right Right now, but football will have to do. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SHEA, like SHEA Station, S-H-E-A. New customers can bet just $5 on the NFL and get $200 in free bets instantly with our code only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SHEA. Thank you to them for sponsoring today's episode. And now, back to the interview. That's good. Yeah, he, what, he's, what he's been able to do, the further removed from his playing career, I think the more impressive his numbers look. Um, 
from defensive side to offensive side to, to leadership. I think some of those things get lost in, in today's, you know, data analytics. Um, but if you, if you really dive in and, and take a look, I think there's no doubt that I think he belongs in the hall of fame as a player. Can I give you another example, Jerry? Uh, Please. Uh, Gil Hodges had gone 35 ballots without getting into the hall of fame. He's the only guy to have be over 63% three times and not get in. And, you know, Joe Torrey, you know, it, for those committees, it's who, who's on the, the voting committee. Like Joe Torrey was told the, the Gil Hodges story. You know, you can't, do you put in there that he lost three years from baseball starts he served the Marines. He was, we stood right by Jackie Robinson when Jackie was going through all this stuff. That's got to account for something, the character. Lead. And, and how do you quantify that stuff? Thankfully, you know, we had Joe was on voting committee and the late Vince Scully wrote a great uh, uh, report for MLB.com talking about one time when they were in St. Louis and that they were throwing beer on Jackie and Gil stood right by him. And those words helped sway some of the people on the committee. And we had, you know, Cleon Jones called his own Fred Ferguson Jacobs who was voting. He, you know, Cleon told him what it was like to play for Gil. But going back to Keith, you know, I mean, nobody did it better. I mean, you remember a play probably in the world here uh, in 80, 86. We had a, a fight in the game against the Reds. Gary Carter was playing third base. And Keith made one of the most unbelievable three, five, three, five, uh, four double plays I've ever seen. Nobody filled his position better, you know, and clutch it after clutch it. So maybe, you know, um, you know, eventually he'll get into the Hall of Fame, I'm hoping. I mean, we've seen the contemporary era committee that has gotten guys like Fred McGriff into the Hall of Fame that definitely deserve to get in there on the ballot and thankfully got in after the fact. So I'm hoping that that's, you know, something that can be true for Keith as well. When I thought, um, who's the voter? It's so much, it's, it really begs the point, who's voting? Like, no offense to Howard Baines. When Howard Baines got in, Tony LaRusso and Jerry Reinsdorf were on the voting committee. Right. Exactly. And especially with like a lot of anonymous ballots where you don't know who's submitting these things. Right. Blank ballots that we see every year. Hopefully Keith's day will come. Yeah. Yeah. I hope so too. Uh, You mentioned Joe Torrey before, and I kind of wanted to ask you because I'm I'm the the young man on the, on the block here over at Shea station. uh, And you were once, you know, the young man in 1980 trying to get your foot in the baseball world. You mentioned that Joe Torrey was very, very important to getting yourself acclimated with the Mets. Can you kind of never, been in a major league clubhouse before. Joe introduced me to all his friends, Pete Rose, George Brett, uh, Reggie Jackson, you know, I ate his restaurant in Manhattan Ponties, and he told me how to interact with the players. And um, our first road trip to Montreal, he took me to a tie shop and bought me 70 of the ugliest ties you ever want to see, these big fat ties, and I had a worm the whole year. And to this day, Joe is, <laughs> is, is a conglomerate now. He's a Hall of Famer. 19 million World Series rings, but I pick him up, I pick up the phone, call him, and answer my call. I mean, he's just a good friend. And I wouldn't have, wherever I am today, I wouldn't have gotten me without Joe's guidance and his, his you know, it being there for me. That's amazing. Those are cool. We all we all need those guys um, to, to usher us in, make us feel comfortable, and, and to initiate us in. Uh, I wanted to get into a little bit more of, of who you are. There's some things... Not everybody knows Jay. I think you're you're one of the most genuinely funny 
and and earnest people I've ever met in baseball. And that's that's impressive because your job as the PR head of PR for so long, 38 years. That's a tough ask. Yeah. That is not easy to do. I've seen guys get chewed up and spit out because of how they handle players. Every time you talk to a player, for the most part, you're asking something of them to come and talk, to open themselves up right. for something. And that's not easy to do, Jay. Yeah, and you have you had a humble way of just being like, you know, I remember you'd always come up and be like, Jared, can you do this for me? And I'd be like, you'd be like, look, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't ask you if I didn't need it, that kind of thing. And I'd always feel because you're personally asking me, it's, 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 you have a way of doing that. How difficult was that? specific part of your job to always you know handling some players I want to get into your DeGrom relationship a little bit but asking guys like DeGrom to do something that they may not feel comfortable doing I never wanted to be a suit you know to come down there and I tried not to always ask when I went to the locker rooms and I tried to treat the 25th guy like the number one guy you know I never tried to always ask and you know and I didn't want to it was it's all about trust jerry the players had a trust in you you know, that you were looking out for them you kind of you mentioned the grom you know i'm um you know i'm about let's see jake is what 34 i'm like more than almost 40 years older than him 34 years older than him so i had a, a you know jacob as well as i did he wasn't crazy about doing the things a lot of times but see two things david wright gave me credibility if you remember, David Wright's locker was right next to him. When I used to go to the locker, we used to see David interact with me well. David could see me a friend. So I'm, I'm, I'm good enough for David Wright. Jacob figured I'm okay. So I had this little game with him. In his first Cy Young year, was trying to pitch it that the wins don't matter, that it's, you know, innings and, you know, strikeouts, innings. And I said, Jake, we're going to get this done, but we're going to have to do nine or ten interviews with specific writers for ESPN and, you know, all, you know, who are voting. I got a hold of the voters thing that year. And we played, we played a game. We, you remember we used to have this basketball net in the clubhouse. So yeah, right, you know, right Jay, above my, right above my locker for a while. You say, Jay, <laughs> this is what the thing is. If you make four or five shots, I'll do an interview today. And I never made one shot. But you know what? Because I never took myself seriously Okay, what do you need me to do? The other thing I used to do is that the next day, I said, I need another interview. Well, this is what I want you to do today. Go out in the field. I want you to hit fungos to me and Stephen Max. You got, you got to hit like 10 consecutive balls without missing. I never did that. I was always willing to laugh at myself, Jerry. That's the thing is, you know, I, you know, not take my job seriously. I, you have to develop the, the, the trust thing, you know, uh, with the play. Can I personally with, with Jacob, it bothers me that some people after he left kind of took shots at him. And it really and truly bothers me to, you know, I mean, I don't want to get specific, but I knew what he was, what he is, and how much he was dedicated to the game. His, his walk-up song, uh, I'm a simple man, that's him. You know, he never did commercials. He never was on social media. All he wanted to do is pitch. Yeah. You got to respect that. There's a, there's guys that want to play baseball and there's guys that, that want to play baseball and other things. Jacob didn't want to, didn't want to soak up the New York media and take advantage of being that. And it's his right to be like that. He understood and he did things and you let him know that, Hey, 
part of your gig is doing some interviews. And so you humbled yourself by putting yourself in uncomfortable, usually athletic, you know, situations where you're hitting fungos. And then he would put himself in vulnerable um, positions doing interviews. So we were the first Yankee game when he, I forget, when he came up, it was supposed to be, uh, who's the reliever on, uh, on Houston now? He was with us. I forgot his name already. He, he started with us. In- Montero? Montero. Montero was, was supposed to be the big guy that it wasn't DeGrom. And, and Jacob came up. Dylan G got hurt right about that time. And, he, and Jacob winds up pitching against the Yankees. Pitches seven, shot one run or something. And I talked to him before. I said, Jacob, listen, you know, we'll take it for where it is. Don't run, be there, win or lose, uh, don't hide. And, you know, he never forgot that thing. And, and I, you know, and I, you know, and he, he, he never turned me down with anything. He knew, again, David Wright was so helpful to me with that. Of course, you know, David gave me instant credibility with him, you know, and with, with guys like, or Franco or some of the other guys came, they saw the interacting with me. So, you know, Jacob figured, okay, this guy's not a bad guy. But, <laughs> Yeah, it's a trust thing. Yeah, he, wrote forward, it. he wrote the forward for my book too. Right, I did, which is uh, absolutely amazing that yeah. you got him to do that. Uh, I'm surprised yeah. you're still working with the residuals and and income off that book. I'm the only guy who wrote a book. Jerry's losing money. I gave him more <laughs> freaking books. I don't remember. I mean, I thought listen, I was a little good. I wanted New York Times bestseller list, but God, I gave away more books. I think everybody in the free world's got one of my books. <laughs> not everybody the same guy that you didn't invite okay jerry i, have a, I have a copy I, actually I, bought, I do have a copy but i bought it off Amazon. Um, well good do i get any residuals from that or something no. <laughs> oh well i'll get you to sign it though i definitely That's want exactly. that Can't um, anyway jerry <laughs> i wanted to mention your your sense of humor you told me a story one of my first maybe my second year there 2016 and I just was laughing about you and you were, you were, you made a comment about me on Twitter, like about my Twitter and you, you, you appreciated it. And I asked you why you didn't have a Twitter. And you told me a story about like how, when you first had Twitter, I think it might've been spring training, you were being sarcastic and breaking news. Do you remember that story at all? Yeah. I mean, I, I, this is how the whole thing started. I, I got myself into a lot of trouble. Was I relate how I got into trouble one, one time? It was you. Were you here when Shannon Ford was here, Jerry? You know, no, right? unfortunately, I never. Yeah. Had the so she was worked for me for twenty years. Great lady, great worker. Unfortunately, died of breast cancer uh, at age forty-four. So Jeff uh, Wilpon said to me, "If you could get ten thousand followers, we'll donate a, a, a check for ten thousand uh, dollars to to her." So we got to ten thousand followers, and you know, unfortunately, I. I tweeted the the, uh, the our checking account on my Twitter feed, and I got, almost got fired. And the other, the other story was where I kind of calmed down. We were in Colorado when I was traveling in the early years, and I said, in Colorado, I'm not feeling well, hoping to get some medical marijuana, they say it helps. <laughs> and my cell phone rang off the freaking <laughs> the next day. And, and I, you know, so I've come, now I just tweet about alumni stuff, but I used to love to have stuff that, you know, maybe is it true, was it not true, you know. When- that was that was the story you told me, the the medical marijuana. And then I, there was something about like a rain delay or a starting pitcher change that you had like sarcastically tweeted out. I wrote something that when Matt, Matt Harvey was in his heyday that 
he was invited to the Ranger workout and he was going to miss a game. And Boomer Sison <laughs> went crazy on the air. How can he do that? And, and after the Red Sox won their first World Series, I tweeted, uh, Mookie and Buck have made up. Mookie will fly to Boston to throw out the first ball to Buckner to make amends. And, you know, Buckner may rest in peace with Utah. He didn't do nothing about that. The Red Sox people were upset. But now I, I can't. I got to. I gotta calm down. Yeah, I'm not more mature in my old age now. That I mean, to me, that's hilarious, and that's what Twitter is. But when you are the media relations, <laughs> you can't do it. Now. You can't do it. No, I can't do it. Yeah, that's oh, so good. That's funny. Um, I, I guess we'll, we'll we'll jump more to um, speaking on. I I wouldn't even call that a crisis because I find that absolutely hysterical. But I'm sure you know, in your your 43 years working this this wonderful job, there's been plenty of you know, situations you've had to be the guy to handle. Can you recall like your, your biggest PR crisis you had to endure? Well, probably in the eighties, uh, yeah, there was a cartoon in the daily news with a, a father and a young kid sitting from a courtroom in New York city. The kid said, uh, daddy, I want to see the Mets. And the dad father said, well, you're in the right place. Mm. Some of them are in jail right now. Just without making light of it, the, this is the, the drug stuff that Daryl and Dwight went through. I once checked an unnamed player into Smithers for rehab. I had a med jacket on. And the nurse says to me, what's your problem? I said, no, it's not me. It's a guy next to me. So in order to get better, you have to admit what it is. It drugs, alcohol, cocaine. No, it's not me. I'm pretty I'm pretty good. It's this guy. But that this stuff with, you know, all this stuff went on with the you know, with the different guys. I, mean, I got to say something about Daryl and Dwight. You know, they had their off-the-field problems, but they both have turned their lives around. And Daryl is a minister now, uh, travels the country, uh, speaking against the evils of opioids. Dwight speaks to high schools. So they, they kept me busy. I never knew that 86 team, every time it came in, they, I didn't know what the hell was going to happen. You know, it's police, this, that. We had Mike Tyson visit our workouts, you know, but it was, it was probably probably that you know the all the, the the drug stuff in the eighties and Keith had his little foray too, but it was uh, that would keep you a little bit busy you know during the hard times. Again, that's a that's a trust thing. The the fact that you're you're able to help them through that that's a that's a commonality there. I know it was tough for you to transition out of your everyday role. Yeah, into yes. the alumni. But one of the things, having bounced around to a few organizations, one thing that, that the Mets were missing was that connection to their player past. And I thought this transition for you to come into the alumni is perfect because when I was with the Braves, I would run into, you know, Phil Necro or Tom Glavin, all these guys all the time, Andrew Jones, you know, uh, these guys would be in and out of the clubhouse, in the stand, signing autographs, doing interviews all the time. When I was with Oakland, they started to do that more towards the end of my era there. And you'd see Ricky Henderson, who's now a member of their front office, uh, Raleigh Fingers, all these guys would come back. When I was with the Mets, like, I would see John Franco because he's you know, New Yorker and he'd be around. I had the pleasure of running into Doc a few times and having conversations with him because we would be at other events together. But they were really missing that 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 connection from their their great players of the past to the to now. And I think that's that's one of those things that you can't 
you can't analyze. There's no numbers to show how that impacts players because it doesn't show on the field. But to me, it shows you that the a the organization cares about their players of the past, which shows their current players like, hey, there's some history here. Um, if I make an impact here, you know, I could be a part of something bigger than myself, bigger than my time on the field. And, and B, it shows the fans that it's not just about what this is. This is about our older generation of fans that can connect to the players too. And so I think that was the perfect transition because of the trust that you built with all the players that you came across your days as the PR guy, you, you were able to translate that and turn that into something beautiful. And uh, when you reach out to somebody like Cleon Jones, say, hey, I want you to come sign some autographs over this weekend. We'll bring you around. You'll throw out first pitch and, and whatever the case may be. Cleon can say, you're going to take care of me. Uh, and then the fans of that era really appreciate it because they get to see a hero of their past while seeing some current players on the field. I love that transition for you. How How is it you know, you're only in the office three days a week. How have you done yourself personally transitioning into a, a, a more semi-retired role? You know, to be honest, with you, I didn't like it in the beginning because I'm a, you know, I, I love to travel, the eat, eat uh, dinner on the wrong with the guys, the camaraderie in the locker room, the bus trips, the plane trip. It took me a while, but then, I, I like I said, I started to realize I can't do some good here because most of the guys – you know, I started in 80, the Mets were only 18 years old then, and I got to know a lot of the 69 Mets and 62 Mets. I knew practically everybody in the organization. And it took me a while to get adjusted to it. You know, I don't like to go down on the field just to stand around. I'll go down there if I have a purpose with an alumni guy. I don't want to be a hanger-on, you know what I mean? And honestly, I my last year in the locker room, was, it was 18 and I hardly know anybody there anymore. The transition has been unbelievable. I mean, Brandon Nimmo is there. I know Glenn Sherlock. I know uh, Jeremy Hefner. But, uh, you know, you know, Jacob's gone. Noah, you know, Stephen Matz, you know, the Wooler guys. There's nobody, you know, so there's not, the, you know, I root for the Mets, hope we win, blah, 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 blah. But I don't, you know, I don't, it's not, I don't have the relationships I had before. Which, but I, I think I'm doing some good with this stuff, you know what I mean? You know, doing things like helping clear with his charity work uh, in, in, in Alabama, you know, you know, doing some, like just this morning we got a call, uh, uh, a young lady, a woman in, in Long Island, uh, her husband died of COVID. Can we get an alumni to call him on his birthday? It's stuff like that, you know, you feel you can't quantify it in stats or in a paper, but you feel you're doing some good. And, you know, just to draw my relationships of the X amount of years that, do different things, but yeah, I'm in the orange three years. We would call it. I was home now. I'm here three days a week and, you know, the cones back, you know, Alex and Steve, but what you're doing, the big alumni supporters. So I know I have their support and we're trying to do more with the number of retirements and the hall of fame stuff. So I, I think we're in a good place, Jerry. It took, I to be honest with you, it did take me a while. I had, you know, a year or so it was tough not being a part of the main action, but I'm, I'm good now. That's good because I understand, you know, that's a big transition for you. 43, you know, 40 years doing that. And right. then all of a sudden you, you know, you felt, maybe you thought you might be nervous because, you know, you're, you're being sent out to pasture kind of thing. But uh, I, I'm glad that you realized that. No, it, did. it took me a little bit. I, 
did, I can do some good in what we're doing. That's now. that's wonderful because I I really do think that was a part of the entire organization that was missing, and I think that connection to the past is the perfect you know the perfect position for you exactly. to be in now. Plus. We don't have to worry about you driving so late at night because no. I'm really crap, Jay. Jay, I'm not exactly AJ Foyt, is what. Oh I'm my! Doing. But you you drive like you are. I've yeah, seen I'm you at like three in the morning when we land from you know from DC, and then you're just out heading to your hour drive home, and you have no peripheral vision at no, all. I'm not. I'm not even sure your headlights are on half the time, and you you made it home. What what quick story <laughs> with my driving in '82. I was in the Withrow Chase Stadium, and I get a call. George Bamberg was the manager today. He said, Jay, could you do me a favor? I think I'm having a heart attack, but you're driving to a hospital. I know <laughs> so I go down to George's locker room. We're going to car with snow, with light snow. So the first thing I do, I lean out the car. I ran over my glasses, okay? So I'm driving. <laughs> my, my, my window is doesn't defrost. I'm driving my head out of the window. And thank God he didn't have a heart attack. Hey, we get back to Chase and Jay, I'll never, ever, ever get to a car with you again. <laughs> <laughs> and this was an 82. And I'm 82. seeing you, seeing you still in 20, that, 2017 driving <laughs> at night. It's wild. I, I, well, one, one last question. Uh, one last story from you about your driving. You told me a story about spring training when you had an accident. Well, it wasn't an accident. I, it was, uh, it was, I was, went to the 7-Eleven by my hotel to get the newspapers. So I didn't see where I was going. So I drove off the pathway. I drove it to a ditch right in front of 7-Eleven. I mean, that's an accident. Well, yeah. well but thank God, Jerry, I didn't hit anybody. <laughs> it was a solo, a was singular a car. So I, I, I couldn't get, I was revving the car, dancing would start. So I got out. I was at the tip of the boulevard there. So I walked back to the complex. Um, and I said, Brian, I called Brian, I suppose, and I was Travis Secretary. He said, Brian, I got a problem. I put my car in a ditch. I couldn't start it. I said, you got to be kidding. No, Brian, I did. I went to the 7-Eleven, and it's there. I couldn't I so like, I left it there. And easy, walking is easier for me, Jerry, these days. So I don't drive anymore. I, I gave up driving for Lent. I'm proud of you. I didn't yeah. know that. I, yeah. The world is a safer place. Yeah, no question. No question. If you're in the you're perfect healthy. area because you don't have to drive in New York. It's beautiful. No, I, no, I do a lot of Ubers. Okay, <laughs> that's good. I mean, I, I loved what you guys were talking about before with the connection to the old guard. I think a, a lot of people forget that in City Field now are a ton of new baseball fans, a ton of new Mets fans. I I have the pleasure of speaking with a lot of them when I go to games and they they know who I am. And a lot of the questions they asked me are similar to like, who's your favorite Met of all time? And I remember one time distinctly, I said my favorite Met of all time was R.A. Dickey because he was the ace of the team when I first really started watching every single day and terrific story, terrific human being. And a couple of these kids had no idea who he was. So I think things like old timers day and the retired numbers and that connection to the past through your alumni shows are just as important as everything going on with the team, because this is a team that's been around for so long. What a year he had in 2012. I know. 20 wins, Cy Young, comeback play of the year, wrote his autobiography. It was on 60 Minutes. Unbelievable. And I mean, wow. it's just, it, there's nothing quite like him. And I'm, I'm so glad that you got the chance uh, to speak with him pretty recently. I think it was a couple weeks yeah. ago on your show. Yeah, he's on the Hall of Fame ballot. Yeah. It's now, really, really cool. The way he started, you know, he, for Ari Dickey to be on the Hall of Fame ballot is just tremendous, you know. 
I mean, his his story is wild. Born like without a UCL, like turned and transitioned. He lost practically his whole bonus. You yeah, know, with the Rangers, right? Majaro. Wild. With yeah, well, Rack was a part of that. Yeah. What's that? Rack? Yeah, Rack yeah. Dave that. So that, I, I'm thinking about reaching out. So uh, we're talking about Rack. I would love to get uh, Dave Racanello and uh langy on this podcast at some point oh because uh that would be this is what this is the connection to some of the the not just players on the field that make the mets great and our some of our listeners are like really true diehard mets fans and i get to introduce possibly introduce them to some people that they don't know uh you're you being obviously uh, if you're a mets fan you know who jay horowitz is but that's that's some of the stuff that that I think people that truly appreciate the team as it is. Yeah, they've been around um, a long time too. You know, they, you know. Yeah, Dave's been his story is wild. Like you know, Jerry is Dave from, the guy who holds the Philly cheesesteak record? Yes, that, 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 he is. Right? Well, I think okay. it was broken though. Oh, it got What's broken. It? I think somebody broke his record. Yeah, he ate like eighteen cheesesteaks. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Yeah. Oh, but man, rack, rack is cartons of milk too. Was the other thing. Cartons of milk. Uh, we'll, we'll, I, at some point, I'll, I'll try to get him on. He's, he's, you know, he's, he's top notch. You know, royalty in there. Who I don't know who he's hanging out with. Rack. He was with David Wright forever as his best friend. And Degrom, and, then Degrom, and now right. Degrom's gone. Who's he going to attach to? Pete. Uh, probably Lindor. <laughs> probably Lindor, because uh, oh. he he needs to keep the clout in the clubhouse. Yes, yes, I get you. I get you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh man. So uh you got dedicated this April. The the booth is now Jay Horowitz. Like it's amazing. Great honor. Did, and you deserve it. I'm glad again, these are some of the things that this uh, I have again, I won't have a bad word to say about the Wilpons because they were the ones that were there for me. Um they treated me well. I have a good relationship with with Fred and Jeff. But with Cohen, he's done something that I'm so happy about. You know, it was sad for me to see the Seaver statue go up posthumously. Yeah, they've, it's, done, they've done a good job of honoring guys when they can be there. Keith Hernandez for his, his jersey retirement. Right. Your public relations, like the, the, the booth, the radio booth going and being named after you where you can go out and throw out the first pitch. Like what kind of honor is that to you and, and tell me about right. that whole experience i was a small you know grow up in clifton new jersey diehard baseball fan. loved willie mays and the giants my dad told me all about sports and just to have a press box dedicated to me it's really unconscionable you know i mean i just couldn't believe it you know and, and when i go up there and see my i just can't believe my picture is still up there but i want to say we brought up a good point about the world Pond. You know, Fred hired me as a young kid out of college. I always worked for him for 40 plus years. You know, it wasn't all bad, Jerry. You know what I mean? What I agree. I understand. It was great. But to, to categorize everything before it's all bad is not true either. You know, and, and Jeff has always been in my corner. Uh, you know, what, you know what, what he did for Shannon Ford before she passed. Jeff was not an outgoing guy. He liked to keep to himself, but he did a lot of good things behind the scenes. Scenes. It, it used to kill Fred and Jeff when we lost. It wasn't like we didn't spend. It makes him. He had some bad contracts, you know. You know, Oliver Perez, Castillo, uh, Pedro didn't really work out. He up to the first year, he got hurt. 
Santana got hurt, you know, and it, it wasn't like it was, you know, El Cheapo, you know, be, before, but, but I mean, Jeff and Fred have always been, when, when they had a dedication, Fred was there for me. So I don't want to, you know, I mean, what's going on now is great, but what went on before wasn't totally all bad either. I, I agree. And I, I don't want you to feel like you have to defend the Wilpons, but your oh. personal relationship with them, as is mine. Like Fred and I used to talk about pitching. He was a left-handed pitcher in high school. We used to talk pitching, you know, he's like, how are you going to, how are you going to uh, throw to Harper, you know, this tonight? And we would chat and I enjoyed all of like all I of it when we lost, you know, it, it, feel, feel whatever you will. You're allowed as a Mets fan so right. to feel a certain way. And there, there are things that, that happened during that era that you can be truly upset about, but your personal relationship, my personal relationship aside, it's great. It's great. Cohen was able to dedicate or be a part of the dedicating of the press yeah, he was here too. box to you. I yeah. Was he was, a lot of people were there. Yeah, I was on and, I, and you threw I, a strike, right? I did. I, I Terry Collins, my good friend, was there. Johnny Franco was there, and I got COVID a week and a half after that. Unbelievable! Wow. Yeah, so. You know, and it can all be. It can all no, be. Can't. But no, it's really an honor. I mean, it's for someone like me to have something. You know, like when I kick the bucket, whatever it is, the press box will still be there. So yeah, um, it's pretty amazing, and you deserve it, man. Well, uh, it, it's it's pretty cool. I went in there. I got to do a game in the booth late last year and i was up in the press box and to see you know jay horowitz yeah. press box like it's a lot it really does yeah it's, i just wish one my only regret is my father died in 1970 and he never really saw me work for the mets and i know he would be really proud and really thrilled to see me work for a major league baseball team so that's you know you know uh, i mean he died at an early age my mom went to the 86 world series so she'd experienced that so and she became a good big sports fan too that's that's, that's glorious that's um really cool. is there anything that that you you've got to promote here coming on because i think we're going to get close to wrapping up do you have anything coming up that no, you want to plug? just just to pledge a chat with you and, you know and, and uh i think next year's gonna be a great year i think we're in a good place where we are and you know and uh, i'm just uh, we what I want to I want to just keep the alumni stuff going on. I think we got a good thing going next year. We bring them back for the homestand, and I really want to do is to have an autograph signing every homestand in a Hall of Fame club. You know, to to do that because I think it doesn't have to be Joe Superstar. The fans want to meet players, and I think they have the interaction. And I just want to keep that going and. The feedback I've gotten, the people like what we're doing with the alumni. I, you know, the the, the Hall of Fame, the uh, the old timers game was the hype. But we, we maybe we don't do a, a old timers game, but we keep the tradition going, keep the interest going. That's what my aim is to keep, you know. And I, the more guys we can bring out back into the Met family, the better. You know, we want guys who have been around a lot to bring them back in, and you know, uh, and that's that's my goal is. Good. Well, you're doing a glorious job. I think. Uh... I think your legacy, apart from even the the press box dedication, will last forever because the 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 impressions you left on all the players and all the PR, uh, um, the people. I mean, Harold and Ethan that are still there that were you know your proteges. I, I think they they learned so much from you. We did as players. So the one thing I try to treat everybody like you want to be treated and treat the don't cater to the superstars. Yeah, you know, just keep, treat the 25th guy like the number one guy. 
and you'll be good. I promise you, the next old timers you gave you be my number one invite. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I I won't hold you to the number one invite, but I I you know anything you need from me. All right, I'm there. John, nice meeting you, too, John. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Jay. Really thanks for the time, guys. All right, Jay. See you, buddy. Ball and Play 2, presented by DraftKings, kicks off on May 5th. Head over to the Warehouse Games channel to catch Game 1. Get some skin in the game and download the DraftKings app right now. Don't forget to use our promo code WAREHOUSE. That's promo code WAREHOUSE only at DraftKings Sportsbook. The crown is yours.